I'm Jessica, and this is Homecoming, Finding Yourself in Life's Little Moments. Hi, dear listener. So it has been a few weeks since my last podcast, and I'll explain why. I'm happy to be here again, making this audio for you. So just under six weeks ago, I was walking home from my favorite Thai fusion restaurant, and it began to rain. It was dark here on the outskirts of Sydney, Australia. And I was approaching the street where I live, as it started to rain, so I began to pick up speed. And it was dark. And I cut across a small bit of grass from the sidewalk. Here they call them footpaths. And my foot caught on a rock that had been placed there to protect the grass, but probably not particularly, uh, how could I say? It probably wasn't the best place to put a rock. (laughs) So anyway, my foot caught on that rock and I went straight out, front forward, right down onto wet grass, which was probably the first blessing that I didn't go down onto concrete, that I didn't go down onto another rock that had been placed next to that one. I mean, but I went down really hard. And the impact to my body was focused on my chest. I could just feel that that was where I had absorbed most of this really intense impact. So I got up, gathered myself, was able to make it a half a block back to my house, and then felt so shaken that I realized I probably needed to call an ambulance. And I have to say, dear listener, that for any of us who live in a country, a community, a place where if something like that happens to you or any number of other things, that one can pick up the phone and have people arrive who are experienced and able to determine how to assist you, to save you in some cases, you know. That is also an incredible blessing. And it was the first time that I had called an ambulance in a very, very, very long time. You know, when you're in that sort of situation where you don't necessarily know if you've really hurt yourself or not, 
sometimes it's very obvious, obviously. it's it's sort of a a interesting moment to know well should i should i do this should i call an ambulance but something just told me that i should so i did and within a fairly short amount of time 3 emergency medical technicians arrived and came in and you know asked me what happened and looked me over And they wanted to assess whether I'd broken anything. They wanted to assess whether there was any internal injury, whether I'd hit my head, all of these things. And as they went through point by point, did various tests, blood pressure and, you know, various kinds of things to try and assess what happened and if I had really and truly deeply hurt myself. They began to advise me that it didn't seem like anything was broken. It didn't seem like I had done any internal damage. And it seemed as if I was fairly intact. But they said, you're going to be really, really, really sore. And they wrote out their sheet, an assessment, and they said, go see your GP when you can, you know, within the next day or two. It was a Saturday night. And at the bottom of their sheet where they wrote their assessment of me, the last line said, advise self-care. So what they did was they advised me to rest, to take painkillers if I needed to, and anti-inflammatories, and just to say, dear listener, that I almost never take anything. But anyway, that night when it happened, and they gave me that sheet, I read it, and I treasured it, you know. I felt this was my evaluation This was the beginning of what would become the prescription for the days ahead, the weeks as it would turn out ahead. Advise self-care. Because while I didn't feel too achy in that moment, that night when they were there, I felt very shaken up. And I was actually in shock. As the next day unfolded, I began to realize that there had probably been, as they said, a lot of internal bruising. And they described how there's all of this soft tissue in our bodies and that that bruising can take place even when we don't necessarily see it on the outside. It can take place on the inside. So having come down straight with all my weight onto the front of my body, and particularly my chest, you know, I was really sore. And the next day I just more or less stayed in bed and did what they said. They said, you just need to rest. But I began to wonder 
how I was actually going to procure the things that I needed to be, uh, to eat, you know, to, to have the things I needed. And interestingly, one of the foods that I craved almost immediately were bananas. There was something about bananas, maybe because there's something comforting about eating them, their soft sweetness and easy to digest quality. But I also think that potassium is something that bananas have a lot of. And it was almost as if my body said, you need that a lot. But I didn't know how I was going to actually get them. (laughs) I had like one left and a bit of other food. So I got through that first day and then slept kind of fitfully and woke up the next morning, Monday morning, and turned on my computer and there was an email from a very dear friend of mine. I'd been in touch with her, she knew what had happened. And she said, when you can, you know, I've left a box of food out at your front door. And dear listener, that was the beginning of a series of miracles, of things happening as they were needed. It was very interesting. Those bananas she had given me, without even realizing it, a bunch of bananas and a few other things. And when I found that box at the front door, everything inside me rejoiced. I couldn't lift it, so I brought things in one by one. But there they were, different kinds of food, apples. She got chocolate for me. And then there were bananas. So there was something emblematic about that, about that box of food and those particular bananas and her grace-filled response to my predicament. So the days unfolded, and most of that time I was in bed. I don't think I've spent that much time in bed as long as I can remember. I was there all day and all night with just a few short interludes to cook something, and I began to realized that that was even a chore. And the mom of one of my students texted me and said, do you need anything, knowing that this had happened? And I would soon realize that she was actually, as it would turn out, a professional cook. And she came several days later with a bag that I don't even know how she carried it, full of delicious food of all kinds that she cooked. All I needed to do was just heat it up. And I was buoyed on the goodness and the generosity of these beautiful friends. So part of what I've realized, dear listener, in this journey is that when you are, you know, literally incapacitated, 
and you need help, which isn't something that I've had an easy time asking for, but had to, I was unable to do certain things. It seemed to arrive. It actually seemed to arrive. And these kindnesses continued as the days unfolded. And while I didn't feel the whole effect of what had happened to me in the first day or so, by the second or third or fourth day, I found myself to be almost completely incapacitated. It was like my entire nervous system shut down. My muscular system shut down. I had almost no energy. I would go in the morning and get up and make a cup of tea, and that would be the extent of it. I had to get back in bed. (laughs) That was it. You know, it was it. So this is what was, of course, preventing me from making podcasts, but it was what was actually beginning to form to be a situation in which something very profound began to happen. Because as I was just there in bed, kind of contemplating and thinking and watching movies, I watched, I have think, I think I've watched more movies in this last six weeks than I have in my entire life. And they can't just be any movie. There has to be a certain quality to the movie. Like when you get to the end of it, you feel there was something underlying the whole thing that was good. That was good. It could be a comedy, could be a bit of an adventure. I tend to stay away from things that are too intense, generally anyway. But, you know, when I was watching Audrey Hepburn's Roman Holiday or Breakfast at Tiffany's, even Marilyn Monroe and Some Like It Hot, you know, when you get to the end of these films, and more recent films too, When Harry Met Sally, you get, you know, you you watch these films, by the end of it, you feel something that buoys your spirit. So I began to feel that actually just watching films and lying there and resting and sleeping when I needed to was exactly what I need to be needed to be doing. That was what that EMT, that ambulance person, meant in my sense of it when she wrote advise self-care. And What was interesting, too, was that I began to feel that the rest, I had no choice. But in having no choice, what I realized was that that was actually exactly what life, the universe, God, wanted me to do. So it was more than just the restriction or limitation that came from having had that accident. It was like in doing what was needed to be done to respond in myself, to follow the advice for self-care. It was exactly what I was supposed to do in the biggest sense of what that means. And as I continued through the days, 
the days unfolded. A little by little, I was able to do a little bit more. I mean, I could hardly do anything in the first week or two, except lie in bed and rest and watch movies and contemplate the very thing that I'm describing to you. But what started to happen was that my, while my body wasn't able to be particularly mobile, the feeling of presence around me grew. And by that I mean the feeling of a kind of filling out of my sense of what one might call the divine, God, life in its most miraculous manifestation. It was as if there was this viscous, palpable sense of presence around me. And the quality of that was something that was deeply, deeply, ineffably good. Probably explains why I could only watch certain movies (laughs) that were somehow in sync with that. But I would do a lot of praying and a lot of contemplating, and I write a lot always in my journal, so I was doing a lot of that. But it became clear to me that this accident was maybe no accident, that there was something that was actually meant to bring me into a kind of stillness that allowed this deeper sense of life to emerge. Now I say that not wishing upon myself anything that would be in any way debilitating or on anyone else anything that would be debilitating. It's just that there was something so deeply pivotal about what has unfolded. And it's a, very, it's a bit hard to even quantify that. It's almost as if it's been like a reset, you know? When you reset something, when something is shifted in a fundamental way. And what has been happening over these last few months, of course, we've been going through this whole pandemic and have gone through lockdown. Maybe some of us are still in lockdown, you know, this has been an enormous shift. My own life has shifted dramatically from doing what I was doing just five months ago, which was full-on teaching music, now to beginning to orient myself to bringing my work out in a different way through my music, through these kinds of podcasts, my writing. I'm opening myself to the possibilities of, I think, what has been planted in me from the very, very, very beginning, which is a kind of vision of myself bringing forth in the best way that I possibly can the feeling of inspiration to people through the gifts, the abilities that that I've been given. So when I went down that night, it was like everything stopped. And I have to tell you, as a sort of 
addendum to that, that I went back today for the first time to where I fell almost six weeks later. It's not far from where I live, but I haven't been able to even get down to the garbage cans until about a week ago, you know, let alone walk even half a block. Um, my maiden voyage to the garbage bins was a monumental, uh, you know, a milestone. And that was pretty recent. So I finally made it down the block to where I had actually fallen. And I realized with a kind of sense of, of, uh, awe, almost this deep, mortifying kind of, I mean, I, it was a combination of ex experiences or, or, or emotions that I, I, I haven't even really yet been able to process, but I was really, I was really lucky how I fell over that rock because there were other rocks nearby and I didn't fall onto them, dear listener. I mean, that was by the grace of God that that was the case. And even my doctor said, she said, you know, you were, you were lucky. You were really lucky because in a way, when I went down, there was something that was already kind of protecting me and cushioning me. It's very uncanny. It's so hard to describe this to you. Even my hands, I had on these huge down mittens because it was kind of a cold night. You know, I don't have never, I've never seen these mittens here in Australia, but I brought them from the States. So my hands were in, kind of cushioned in these huge down mittens. When I went down, you know, flat onto the ground, onto the grass, onto the wet grass, so... Even that, I slid a little bit, you know, that probably was helpful. But nonetheless, I've been more or less really incapacitated for, you know, almost six weeks. And in that time, like I was saying, there's been this deepening sense of something like around me, like a presence, like a feeling that I am now relating to as my primary experience this kind of force of goodness, of, of presence. I mean, when they talk about angels being with you, I would have to say that that might be one way to describe this feeling, you know, is that there's something around each of us. We're often, I think, unaware of it, but there's a numinous dimension that surrounds one and that's what I've learned, I'm learning in this whole kind of time process is this sense of something that I can now begin to trust. So I would say, dear listener, that when that ambulance driver, you know, EMT, wrote in that note, advise self-care, this is the product of taking her advice. This is the product, the, the, the result, the, the, the beginning of an outcome of a new life unfolding, of the feeling of goodness, of a sense of 
what it might mean, what it can mean, what it does mean to begin to trust that which we cannot see, but which is so close, it's, it's, it is literally right there with us, with one, with any of us, with me, with me. So there's like this first level of awareness, which is to feel the presence of something that is holding me. And then there's the second level of awareness, or the second step, which in some ways is, is even a little bit more challenging, which is to trust that is actually there, to trust that that thing is holding me, to trust that it's holding me. And certainly through these weeks, on one level, all of the incredible help that has come to me, I mean, I've been able to call the pharmacy and they've delivered vitamins, you know, or the supermarket and then they've delivered food or the co-op and, you know, some nice person has come and brought my organic vegetables. I mean, each of these, dear listener, is such a beautiful blessing. And, you know, when someone comes now, I don't take this for granted. When they bring, you know, when my beautiful vegetables arrive and that person hands them to me, it's like I am being given a gift and I feel in each of those vegetables that I get, you know, in those vitamins, in those, you know, packets that, that I've been handed that will nourish me and help me to heal, I feel something very special. It's like somebody packed those things, and then somebody brought those things, and then I have them as a result. They've been given to me. You see, these are the things that one can so easily miss, is the fact that there are untold numbers of people responsible for what ends up making its way to my door, you know, to my life. I mean, it's incredible when I open the bag from the supermarket. You know, someone packed that for me and someone packed the things that are in there that I take out one by one. It's like there's a preciousness preciousness to what lies in our midst. And I think I've so easily, it's been so easy to take that for granted. So it's quite incredible, you know, to begin to feel these things, to begin to feel buoyed by the kindnesses of others, by the things that come into my life and this presence that surrounds me, holding and nurturing me and just asking, really, but not even really asking. It's almost almost like a beckoning to even more, to trust, to trust, to trust. That's the thing. How little one trusts, how little we trust, how little I've trusted. I've had to do everything I felt for my own, you know, energy and determination and all of that's important and and necessary and good but there is this deeper reality that is moving things dear listener on this incredible earth that we live upon this beautiful blue planet that floats in the vast expanse of space and I have to say that this time has been my introduction in some very 
poignant and beautiful way to this deeper this reality, this presence, this feeling so close and near like it's almost like one of those down mittens that I was wearing Thank, thankfully it was a blessing I was wearing those mittens but it's like there's a mitten around each of us <laughs> there's, a, there's like a mitten around each of us filled with love and goodness and buoyancy and delight and protection and help, kindness, all these things. There's like a mitten around each of us. And I have to say one more thing about this experience of these past six weeks of lying in bed most of the time and watching particular movies that were good to watch is that a lot of thoughts came and went in my mind. A lot of feelings bubbled up from the past, memories, all sorts of things. And I was lying there, you know, aware of all these things that were coming into my mind. And I began to realize that part of self-care, part of this prescription, advice, self-care, whether that woman knew it or not, what I learned was that there's this sort of deep self-acceptance that can happen where I'm no longer second-guessing all those things that are coming into my mind, like feeling, oh, I'm bad because this thoughts come in, this memory that makes me this kind of person or that kind of person. There was like this radical self-acceptance, and that's a word that is said a lot, self-acceptance, but when you can't really do anything, dear listener, except just lie in bed and begin to feel, thanks to God, thanks to the grace of life itself, this presence like a mitten around you, you find that the extent of, um, how can I say this, self-criticism, what the extent of the self-criticism has been, when that begins to loosen a little bit, there's such a freedom in that, and you go, oh my gosh, I've been living in this state of perpetual self-criticism for so long. But I couldn't do anything except just lie in bed and begin to become aware of just the thoughts coming and going. And that whole vice-like um, relationship to myself began to loosen just a little bit. And it began to make me realize that that was a dimension of the self-care, was just to loosen that grip of internal criticalness, criticism, that vice-like relationship to oneself. I could loosen it. It was beginning to actually loosen. I'd never been conscious of it 
like that before. So that inner loosening and the feeling of this mitten around me, a very, very big mitten, very big, was what started to happen and what has happened and what has unfolded over these past weeks. And that's really what's come to me to share with you. So wherever you are, you know, so many of us now have had to become more restricted in our movements, in our travels, in our day-to-day lives. But I really wonder then if this is really the opportunity to begin to feel that beautiful mitten that's around any of us and to find ourselves following the advice that I was given by that wonderful woman who came to help me advise self-care, that this could be really the time for us to take that prescription so much to heart, so much to heart. So with my deepest heartfelt wishes and love, I send this to you and hope that wherever you are, this finds you very well. Warm blessings. (laughs) Warm, warm blessings to you. Bye for now then. Bye.